I'll invite you just to quickly turn to Colossians 1, verse 3 to 6. Colossians 1, verse 3 to 6. And we have been on this um, journey uh, called the gospel and I. The gospel and I. Colossians 1, verse 3 to 6. And we've been playing around uh, that area. Colossians 1, verse 3 to 6, where we see the impact that the gospel has on an individual, uh, on an individual's life. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. So it says, the Word of God says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel represents or introduces, introduces us to God as Father. God is your Father. He is not a distant being somewhere sitting in heaven waiting to whack you and beat you at the first sign of a mistake that you make. He is Father. That's why your spirit in your spirit, it cry, your spirit cries out, Abba, Father, 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 because He is your Daddy. And that's the relationship that God wants to, to, to have with you, a Father relationship. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel is the word of truth, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. So as it is increasing and bearing fruit in the whole world, it should be bearing and increasing in your life. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, the gospel is the grace, uh, is grace and truth. Grace cannot be in the absence of truth. We cannot just base our lives on grace. The Bible says, Jesus Christ in John, Jesus Christ came as grace and truth. Moses brought the law. Jesus came as grace and truth. And most people separate the two. In that, there is a danger in doing that in, because you end up living a lascivious, uh, lascivious life, a free life, and doing exactly what you want. But the truth of the gospel puts you, keeps you in track. Yes, you have been saved. Yes, God has forgiven you of all your sins. Yes, God does not recall all your sins, or does, nor does he impute sins upon you. When I say such things, many people get a, 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 a kick in their, in their spirit because they think that's not true. God does not recall your sins. He does not impute your sins upon you. That is what the gospel is. The gospel, the word gospel simply means too good to be true news. It is too good to be true that God does not impute sin, nor does he remember your sins and recount them against you. But over and above that, the truth of the gospel is this. That the grace of God teaches you not to sin. The grace of God is there upon your life so that you do not sin. You see, the problem with sin is that it goes against the expectation of the gospel. The expectation of the gospel when God gave the gospel and it comes into your life is that it bears fruit and it increases in your life. 
And if you are in sin, there is no bearing of fruit or in increase in your life. You are just producing dead works, things that do not please God. And throughout the Bible, time and time again, we see the nature of God. We see who God is. God loves a person or he is a person that, 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 that loves to, uh, to, to see increase and, and people bearing fruit. From, from right on from the onset in Genesis, the Bible says in Genesis 1, the world was void. It was empty. It was, there was nothing. There was complete darkness. And God looked at this picture and, say, and, 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 and did not have a caucus meeting like what some of us do in Zimbabwe because of the darkness and the and the voidness in the nation. We have caucus meetings and we, we sit down and say, oh, this, this government is bad or that policy is bad. God did not do that. He sat down and looked at the situation and spoke life. That's what God did. He spoke life and in speaking life, there was light. In speaking, in speaking life, there were animals that bore of their own kind. In speaking life, there were trees that had, seed, that had fruit, that had seed, that bore of its own kind. And in speaking life, what God said was, I will make man in exactly the same image as I am, in my own likeness, so that man is, will speak like I speak. When they see a situation, they will speak. When they, are, when they see darkness and voidness and corruption and, and, and death, they will speak. They will not just sit and have caucus meetings and, and just talk about how bad the situation is. God loves increase. And as, as he spoke to a man, the first commandment that he gave to a man was, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and increase. Replenish the earth. And that commandment still runs up to today, today. As the gospel infiltrates your life, as your gospel touches your life, you ought to be fruitful and increase. Another example is Jesus. Uh, he saw a fig tree. As he saw that fig tree, he saw it uh, having leaves, seeming like it had life. And what God, when well, he went to that fig tree, expecting to find some figs, and he found none. And he cursed that tree because he expected fruitfulness and increase. And that's what God expects in our life. When the gospel coincides and collides with our lives, they should be bearing our fruit and increase in our lives. And the, the Bible says in Romans 7 verse 4, it says the following. It says, and I'm pa I'll paraphrase it. It says, you have died to the law. You have died to the law through Jesus Christ so that you may bear fruit for God. You have died so that you may bear fruit, to the, uh, bear fruit for God. Our mission in life is that you and I should bear fruit for God. Since we're still on, in Colossians 1, I'll, turn, I'll ask you just to go down to Colossians 9 to, uh, 9, verse, uh, 9 to 11. Colossians 1, 9 to 11. Colossians 1, 9 to 11. This shows us the kind of fruit that God expects and the increase in our lives that God expects. It says the following. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'll, I'll just briefly stop there. In all knowledge, that God fills you with all knowledge. 
This is a powerful prayer I pray it over myself. It's a very powerful prayer that each you should be praying over yourself and also you should be praying over your family and other believers. Instead, and I know that we go through times that are hard and we go before God asking for God to help us in those times that are hard. But it is more powerful to know the will of God than for God to take you out of a situation. It is more powerful for you to know the will of God than for God to take you out of a situation. If you had to ask most people in Zim, what's happening in Zimbabwe? They would tell you the political uh, situation that's happening in Zimbabwe. But what is God doing exactly in Zimbabwe? Most people cannot answer you and tell you exactly what God is doing in this nation. They cannot answer because they're just like the Israelites who knew the ways of God, but not like Moses who knew the will of God. It is easy for us to know the, the miracles of God, to ask and, and, and God to take us out of a situation. But when we ask to know the will of God, we are in a relationship and we are in intimacy. Miracles are for those who are not in intimacy with God. The will of God is for those who are in intimacy with God. You need to pray to be filled with this knowledge. God says, my way is, is not your way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the, the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your ways and, my, and your thoughts. Therefore, ask to know the will of God, to be filled with His will. And the reason why this is powerful is because it is a powerful prayer, is because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is a template of how you and I should be praying. We should be praying to know the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We should be praying for that. And the reason why this is in the Bible is because God will answer it. If you ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, He will answer. But He will answer it according to your faithfulness and your obedience. If your obedience is 1%, He will fill you with 1% of knowledge. If your obedience is 25%, He will fill you with 25% of knowledge because God is not wasteful. He will not waste his time and his resources and his efforts to give you 100% of knowledge. And all you do in life is just follow 1%. Continuing. It says, so as to walk I think this is uh, verse 10. So as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. The following slide that's going to come up, it's, uh, 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 it's uh, on Colossians 1 verse 10. It's just a simple slide that shows, and uh, it's just a simple depiction of what I believe Colossians 1 verse 10 is saying uh, right there. It talks about a person who is fully healed into the, to the gospel. And when they fully healed to the gospel, the gospel touches these three areas, these very three important pillars in their lives. 
Every person in, in, in their Christian walk it has these pillars. And these pillars are on, on the foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Je uh, as Savior. Jesus Christ is the foundation of your Christianity. But we begin to build. He begins to build these areas of our lives. He begins to build the walk. He begins to build on your, your work. He begins to build on your worship. What, what, and, and it just quickly explains what on the side what, that, what, what I, I, I believe it means. Uh, when God, when the gospel starts penetrating and, and infiltrating uh, the, 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 the areas, these three areas of your life, this is, these three areas make a complete Christian. You cannot, you cannot be a professional Christian in just, uh, in just um, uh, specializing in one area. You need to, all these areas to be, to be all a whole and the gospel to infiltrate all that, these three areas of your life. And I might not have time today to go through all these three areas, but I'll go through the first one, which talks about your walk. Your walk talk, talks about not the way, whether you, you put your left foot first when you're walking or whether you put your right foot first. Ask your neighbor, which foot do they put first? Your walk talks about your conduct. It talks about, it talks about your character who you are as an individual. It talks about your, your, your soul. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you got born again, something miraculous and drastic and something that has never had been ever been done, even uh, to the point of creating the universe, was done in you. Your spirit became just like Jesus Christ. You are exactly like Christ. And there is that kick in your spirit again, saying that's not true. You are as blameless as Jesus Christ. You are as holy as Jesus Christ. And you are as righteous as Jesus Christ. But the problem that people have is why then do I always mess up? It's because there's a part of you called the soul, which Vesey touched on. There is something called the soul. The soul talks about your emotions. It talks about your feelings. It talks about your personality. It talks about your consciousness. It talks about your intellect. It talks about your mind. A human being is, is a tripite being. There is, he is a three in one. Just as God is three in one, you are three in one. You are a spirit that has a, a body. Uh, you are a spirit, a spirit that lives in a body and has a soul. So something happens when the gospel wants to affect and, 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 and touch your part, the, this part of your life, he has to touch the soul because you are completely okay in the spirit. Nothing from this point on to the time you meet Jesus Christ, nothing else is going to happen to your spirit. It's complete. Can I have three volunteers here? Just three volunteers, please, please come here. Quickly. Thank you. I will not embarrass you, please. Three volunteers. <laughs> okay. So, Doka is going to be the spirit, she's going to be the soul, and she's going to be the body. Um, so, what happens is when, when the spirit wants to pray, he wants to pray, 
the body wants to binge on on uh, on the on catch up on all the TV uh, series that they have not yet caught up. The person who decides the thing that decides where they're gonna go is the soul. The soul determines your walk. It decides which way are you gonna go. As soon as the soul decides to go this way, the body has to go this way. If the soul decides to go this way, guess what? The spirit just has to follow. Are we together? So for, for God to change the way you think and the way you perceive things and to change your mind, he has to do something. The spirit is here. The soul is here. He brings in the gospel. Because only the gospel, the soul cannot understand the spirit. The soul can only understand the gospel, knowledge. It can only understand knowledge. What I mean by that, the spirit only feeds off from God. The body feeds off from where it came from, from the earth, which is vegetation, food, and all that. And the soul can only feed off knowledge. And the only thing that can bring, that can tell the soul who it is and who, what has happened in the spirit is the gospel. It is the mirror. The gospel tells it, you are as holy as Christ. You are as righteous as Christ. Therefore, do what Christ does. Thanks, guys. That is what the gospel does. The gospel comes to, as a mirror, as, as a, a part that, that educates the soul that you are like Christ. And you need to change your walk. You need to change the way you walk in life. And this is a process. The reason, there is a reason why God chose the word walk and did not cho choose the word jog or sprint. It is a process. It, is a, it can be a long process. How many people agree with this when I say it takes longer to walk 1K than to jog it? It takes longer. And it can be so tedious and tiresome because you're just walking and walking. But God wants to walk with you. This walk is not, this walk is not alone. The gospel teaches us that this walk is not alone. The devil wants you to believe that you are walking, you are going through this thing by yourself. But he is walking with you. He is walking with you. The, the gospel teaches us from Colossians 1 verse 27 that there is a mystery about the gospel. There is this mystery about the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in you walks with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes, nor forsakes you. He is always in step with you as you walk through whatever situation you are going through. And as he, uh, he holds your hand as you walk and your mannerism and your char characteristics begin to change. There is a man in the Bible in Genesis 5 verse 24 who walked with God and you was no more. And I know most people take that and just say, okay, he disappeared. Yes, he disappeared. That's fine. But when you walk with God, you also disappear. Your old friends, those guys that you used to hang out with, they will come to you and say, there is something different about you. You know why? Because you're walking with God and you're slowly disappearing. You're no longer the same person. The gospel is affecting 
your walk. There's a story in the Bible about a man who messed up. How many of us have ever messed up in life? Okay. Now, how many of us have, have ever had all our mess-ups written in the Bible? <laughs> There's one gentleman there. <laughs> this, 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 this story is about uh, a man called Peter. And we're going to be nice to this guy because none of our mess-ups or our dirty laundry has ever gone into the Bible. But this guy stood before Jesus Christ and the disciples and said, I will never, ever, ever, ever deny you. Never, 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 ever will I deny you. Though these may deny you, but I will never, ever deny you. And so some of you know the story. Some of you know the story. He went on to deny Jesus Christ three times in the same night. <laughs> he went on to deny him even before a little girl, he denied Jesus Christ. Before we go into judging this man, how many of us have ever, without a show of hands, denied God? We have denied him through our actions, the little anger that we have, the little gossip that we do, the little cheating that we do, the little lying that we do. We are not great, so such great ambassadors for the gospel. Peter, in doing all these things, though the disciples had not seen him deny God, had not seen him deny Jesus Christ, he could have just continued as though everything was fine. But something ate at his heart. Something was eating at his heart, so much so that when Jesus Christ resurrected from the, the dead, he said to Mary Magdalene, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Because God wanted to walk with Peter. Peter went, went on to, to go and, and fish. Went on to fish. And Jesus followed Peter to the place he was fishing with all the other disciples. On the Sea of Tiberias. And he walked with Peter. And he asked them this question. Peter, do you love me? And this time Peter said, only Lord, only you Lord, no. In a couple of days, Peter would go on and stand and proclaim Jesus Christ before 3,000 people. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you walk with God, you don't trip over the little things. You end up overcoming the big things. The little things sh should not be something that, that trips us up anymore. Because God wants to make you a champion. He wants, you, he wants to walk with you so that you walk like Him. Because He is more than a conqueror. He, is, he has conquered and overcome many small little things. And He wants you to do exactly the same. Peter is a perfect example of a before and after picture. From him we can see the before in that he messed up, he denied God. But the after picture is that he overcame and he, 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 he did great and mighty things. He bore fruit and he increased. Amen. So how do I walk? How do I walk the walk that God has, the gospel has called me to? We walk by the Spirit. That's number one. We walk by the Spirit. 
Galatians, Galatians 5 verse 16. Galatians 5 verse 16 says the following. It's up here. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The gospel and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand. They are inseparable. They are one. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 that our gospel did not come just by word. It was not just words. It came with power and the Holy Spirit with deep conviction. So the whole gospel that here, when it comes to you, it comes with power and the Holy Spirit. The true gospel comes with power and the Holy Spirit. When we take away the Holy Spirit, all we are doing, uh, we, we are doing things for ourselves. We, are, we move into self. We are not being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Can I have this next slide? We are not being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. When there is no gospel, when there is no Holy Spirit, in, the, in our walk, we become self-motivated. We, we start doing things by ourselves. There is, there is no God factor in the things that we are doing. It may seem like we are Christians, but we are not Christians because we don't have the Holy Spirit. And we are not being motivated by the Holy Spirit. When we begin to do things for ourselves, it's called character development. It's ca called character modification. We are modifying ourselves. You're just a GMO. You're not like God. Amen. And most of the messages that, some of the messages that come off the pulpits these days are just motivational. They, they, they inspire you to become a better person. But they, there is a lack of Jesus Christ and power in it. There is no power in that word or that message. It's just motivation. You can become great. But you can become great. How can you become great with who? I, I recently saw a video that said the effects of mo motivational speaking. This dog started barking at a, 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 a tiger and kept on barking at a tiger. And because it had been told that you are great, you are mighty, you can do all things. And it kept on barking at this little tiger. And all of a sudden, the tiger just grabbed it by the neck. Those are the effects of motivational speaking. Eventually, you meet life and it hits you. But the gospel has power. There is power in the gospel. Romans 1 verse 15 says the following. If I'm not mistaken, Romans 1 verse 15 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. There is power in the gospel, which changes the way I walk. There are two individuals who were walking uh, on a road called uh, Emmaus. They were, the, this road was leading, away the, leading them away from Jerusalem. As they walked down this road called Emmaus, they met, met an in, individual who they could not recognize. And this individual decided to walk with them. And he said to them, why are you guys looking so sad? And they said, haven't you heard what has happened in Jerusalem in recently? That how they crucified Jesus Christ, who we thought was, was the Messiah. 
And he went on, and this, this stranger that they met on this road went on to open up scriptures. It became evening. They went into a lodge. They sat by the lodge. And as they lodged in, and this you can find in Luke 24, and as they lodged there, the, this individual, as they, they are having supper, broke bread. There is power in communion. He broke bread, and their eyes were open, and he disappeared right before them. And then these individuals say the following, Did not our hearts burn? when he unraveled scripture you see when the gospel is preached when the gospel is spoken your heart burns these individuals were walking away from jerusalem but they found themselves walking back to jerusalem the gospel changes your walk it changes your direction it changes where you are going. If you find yourself walking away from the fellowship of believers, walking away from the Word of God, walking away from prayer, walking away from anything that has to do with God, check your gospel because it will bring you back. Without the gospel, you revert to self. Second, uh, Colossians 2 verse 20 to 23 says the following. Colossians 2, verse 20 to 23. It says, If you, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. 22. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to, the, to human precepts and teachings. 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The only thing that can stop the indulgence of the flesh is the spirit. And this is my last point. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. You see, the gospel introduces us to a walk by faith. Second Corinthians 5 verse 7 says the following. It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. You walk, you should be walking by faith and not by sight. The gospel introduces us and tells us that the only way to please God is to, for you to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. You cannot live the life that you're living by works and, and doing things, but you can only live it through faith. And God, through the, the gospels, uh, uh, Matthew, John, uh, Luke, he, he is... He is, when he meets an individual who walks by faith, he marvels at that individual. He is, he, it stops him. Have you ever stopped God? You can stop God through your faith. It stops God right on his tracks because he marvels at the fact that, wow, I found somebody with faith. Jesus had to ask this question in Luke 18. He asked and said, when I come back on earth, Will I find any with faith? And the reason why he had to ask that is because we live in times where there is no faith. People walk by sight. They walk by what they see. They don't walk by faith. But ladies, ladies and gentlemen, when we walk by faith, God moves mountains just to get to you. The Bible says in, in Galatians 3, it says the following in Galatians 3. It says... The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. 
So God saw, saw a man who was walking by faith called Abraham. And he said, man, I, I would like to preach. He's living before his time. He's living before his dimension. He's living before the time that is uh, speculated or, or said that I would preach the gospel. Therefore, I'm going to step into Abraham's time and I'm going to preach the gospel to him. I'm going to preach the gospel to Abraham because he is a man walking by faith. And when you walk by faith, God comes and reveals mysteries to you. He reveals things to you when you are walking by faith. That's why it's important for you to pray that God fills you with the knowledge of His will. Because that is faith. It takes faith to believe that, that this is what God has said. And I'm going to stick to it. Father, I give you thanks and praise. I thank you, Lord God, that we will be a people that live by faith. That live by the Spirit. And in so doing, Father God, you will change our manner of walk, Father God. And it will please you. And it will change, Father God, who we are. And it will please you, Father God. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord God, just as it is, it's written in Hebrews, in the hall of faith, Father God, that we will be numbered as those, Father God, who live by faith and live by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>